Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, in Canada. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Fifty-seven-year-old Thelma Kroll was wife, mom, and grandma goals. She was this super positive person that made everyone around her feel important. She would always have these positive quotes written down and lying around as a reminder to be a positive person. She and her husband, Robert, had been married for 29 years, and they were very much in love. She was the ball of positive energy to his cool, calm, and collectiveness. Thelma and Robert's family were their entire lives, and pretty much everything they did revolved around their children and grandchildren, except for maybe hiking. Hiking was something that Thelma took a lot of pride in. She was passionate about it, and it honestly looks like it made her feel really empowered. At 57, Thelma and her older brother were actually training for this really intense seven-day hike that was coming up. On Friday, July 10th, 2015, Thelma went to work as usual as an admin assistant for a company that provides residential assisted living to people with physical and intellectual disabilities. She spent the day with her coworkers that she loved, and then she went home to the husband she loved. That night, the Winnipeg Sun reports that while Thelma's husband, Robert, watched a football game, she went out on the deck to read a book. When the game was over, Robert headed outside, and the two talked for a while about what they were going to do the next day. Obviously, Thelma needed to train for her seven-day hike, so she was going to wake up early the next morning and go for a few-mile walk. They needed a new ladder, so she was going to finish her walk at the local Canadian Tire. From what I've heard from locals, Canadian Tire is the equivalent of a Home Depot. It's where the men of the world go to find their people on Saturdays and talk about all things that go clank, boom, and drill. They decided that she would take her walk and meet her husband at Canadian Tire. When she was on her way, she would call Robert and he would head over there and meet her with the truck so they could bring the ladder home. After doing that, they were going to pick up a birthday cake for their grandson's birthday party. The day was planned and the mosquitoes decided that it was feeding time, so around 10 p.m. they escaped the vampire bugs and headed inside. Thelma read a little more, watched some TV, and about an hour later, Toronto City News says that the two went to bed. The next morning, Thelma woke up early to go on her walk as scheduled. Robert was still sleeping, but according to CBC Canada, he thinks she left around 7 a.m. because he heard the dog whine when she left. His memory serves him well because at 7.23 a.m., a neighbor's home security camera showed Thelma walking down the road in their neighborhood. A little over an hour and a half later, Global News reports that Thelma's daughter tried calling her, but she didn't answer. Thelma was the kind of mom who would drop everything for you, but one missed call wasn't a huge red flag at this point. She was training, and frankly, people miss calls all the time. One missed call isn't going to set off a ton of alarm bells. But when 10 a.m. came around and she hadn't called Robert to say that she was on her way to Canadian Tire, and she wouldn't answer anyone's calls or texts trying to see where she was, everyone kind of knew that something wasn't right. It was so out of character for her to not keep in touch and not let everyone know where she was that by 10.30 a.m., her family reported her missing. Thelma was as predictable as they come and in the best way. She was reliable. Everyone could count on her to be exactly where she said she would be, and they could count on the fact that she'd be taking one of the few routes that her family was very aware of, and they could also count on her to pick up the phone when they called. Never in a million years would Thelma just allow people to be worried about her and not do anything to put their minds at ease. 
With the police aware of what was going on, CTV reports that Robert and Thelma's daughter went out driving around her usual walking routes to see if they could find her, thinking that maybe she'd had some kind of medical emergency and needed help, or maybe even she was hurt. But they didn't see her anywhere. Her daughter took to Facebook posting her mom's description and her walking routes, asking everyone to be on the lookout and to please share the post. The more eyes, the better. She was described as being 5'4 and 170 pounds with short, dyed blonde hair with a purple streak in it. They said she was wearing a reddish-orange shirt with black capri pants, hiking boots, and a black fanny pack. They also included that she had her phone and wireless earbuds with her. The post was shared by local residents in all over Facebook groups, and people were in, 100% in. They were ready to do whatever they could to help find Thelma, so by that night... Friends, family, and complete strangers got together to search. While they were searching, so were the police. According to the Winnipeg Free Press, police had eyes in the sky, along with search and rescue teams and a canine unit on the ground. But as hard as they searched, not a single trace of Thelma was found. The evening turned into darkness and the searches had to end with no sign of Thelma anywhere. The next morning, Sunday, everyone's concerns were on another level. If she had just been out of communication for a hot minute because she was busy or forgot to charge her phone, okay. But this was going on 24 hours now. The police continued their train searches and her family, friends, and volunteers organized one of their own that evening. According to CBC Canada, more than 200 people joined in the search for Thelma that night. And let me tell you, Thelma's family was on it. They printed out maps for searchers that outlined the trails Thelma was known to walk and the areas beside them. They pointed out which areas had already been searched and led searchers to new places to check out so they could cover the most ground as possible in the quickest amount of time. I wish I could say that they found Thelma that night, but they didn't, and they didn't find her the next day either. However, on Tuesday afternoon, the Winnipeg search and rescue team was seen putting up police tape around the Valley Gardens Community Center in Civic Park. Little red evidence tags were seen across the field. Global News reports it was a ping from Thelma's cell phone that led them there, and they found something. CBC Canada reports that the police had actually scheduled a press conference for that afternoon, likely to give an update on what they found, but the press conference was canceled almost as soon as it was announced and without any explanation. CBC Canada spoke to Thelma's husband, Robert, who said that the police have some leads, so there's still hope. He said that he hadn't been sleeping well, but having family around had helped. He told the outlet that he can't imagine a life without Thelma. The brother Thelma was training to hike with was asked how the family was doing, and he told CBC Canada that they're just doing, that they wake up, check the nightmare, and go back to bed. On Wednesday, July 15, 2015, the police finally held that press conference, and it's there we learned that during the search of Civic Park, they found Thelma's glasses. Civic Park would have likely been about as far as she went before turning back to head to Canadian Tire, so they believe she at least got that far. At the press conference, police say they believe Thelma was at the park sometime between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., which is a pretty wide range, but they're keeping their options open. Knowing that she was seen on security footage at 7.23 a.m. and that her daughter tried calling her at 9 a.m. with no answer, the time frame of her disappearance is likely within those 97 minutes. 
Police said they're not ruling out any possibilities, but the community and honestly people all over the world were juggling their own theories. Some assume that she must have been living this secret life and this walk while her husband was asleep with a three-hour window was her perfect time to escape and run off. Others considered that she might have used that time to commit suicide. But the people who knew Thelma knew those were not possibilities, not even for a second. Like we said earlier, Thelma was the positivity train that glued her family together. She had everything she ever wanted, and there wasn't a chance in hell that she voluntarily just walked away from it. Those who knew Thelma knew in their hearts that something bad had happened and at the hands of someone else. They held out hope and they held on to it for as long as they could, but they were really worried that Thelma had been abducted. With her glasses found lying on the edge of the field, it seemed more and more likely that there had been some kind of struggle where they had been knocked off. Anyone who wears glasses knows when they've fallen off. I mean, they can't see. But other people don't pay as much attention. Glasses on other people are one of those things that our minds tend to ignore. How many times have you seen a friend and been like, you look different, but I can't figure out why. And then you realize it's because they're not wearing their glasses. If Thelma was attacked by a stranger who didn't know her from a can of waffles, they probably wouldn't have even noticed that her glasses had fallen off. With this new information, police asked that anyone who was out at Civic Park that morning, jogging, walking, playing tennis, playing football, to please contact them to see if they might have seen or heard something that they didn't realize was relevant at the time. The searches continued before and after the press conference, and they were seen searching what CBC Canada referred to as a green space near Concordia Avenue and Gray Street, about a block and a half northeast of where Thelma's glasses were found. The following day, Thelma's case took a heartbreaking turn. They still hadn't found Thelma, but the police department's homicide unit took over her case. According to the Free Press Herald, the change was made because of the suspicious nature of her disappearance. And it doesn't look like the family was initially made aware of the change, but both Robert and Thelma's daughter held on to hope that Thelma was alive, their support system keeping them as positive as possible. The Winnipeg Sun even reports that the local transit union, which Robert worked with, actually offered up the first reward, $5,000 for information leading to Thelma's safe return. They even held a whistle sale where they sold, well, whistles. They were these yellow safety whistles with an LED light on them for anyone walking in the dark, with Whistle for Thelma written on them. They were sold for $10 each, and the proceeds would go towards adding to Thelma's reward fund. On Friday, July 17th, with Thelma missing for just under a week, the police held another press conference. This time, they gave a little more information, narrowing down the time frame of when she could have gone missing. Police said that Thelma was in the area near where her glasses were found around 8 a.m., which adds up. It's about a 40-minute walk when you map it out on Google Maps. If she was in her neighborhood at 7.23 a.m., that would put her in the park around 8 a.m. Knowing her daughter called her at 9 a.m. with no answer, the window of her disappearance went from 97 minutes to the 60 minutes between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. They don't say that Thelma was seen on CCTV footage at 8 a.m., but they do release some still photos of people who were seen on CCTV around the time she disappeared. These people were not considered suspects. The police just wanted to talk to them about what they might have seen or heard. In an article by CBC Canada, the police admit that they're grasping at straws at this point, but they're not giving up on Thelma. 
If they have to release photos of potential witnesses to try and get a lead, that's what they're going to do. Saturday, July 18th marked a full week of Thelma being missing. Thelma's daughter held a Help Light the Way walk in honor of her mother and encouraged people to walk the trails with headlights and flashlights. CBC Canada reports that roughly 300 people took part in this walk. In the downtime between press conferences, there was some talk online about a pair of headphones being found on one of the searches. I should note that the finding of said headphones has never been mentioned by any mainstream media outlets, and generally I wouldn't mention anything that hasn't been confirmed by verified sources, but I've seen the headphones mentioned by multiple locals throughout the case, so I think it's worth mentioning. The following day, another press conference was held and more still photos of potential witnesses were released. Police say they've gotten more than 100 tips about Thelma's disappearance, but are still struggling to make any headway in the case. According to CBC Canada, law enforcement was asked if there had been any activity on Thelma's bank account since she disappeared, and they kind of skirted around the answer. But in an interview Robert did with Global News, he said that even though Thelma had her fanny pack on when she left the house that morning, all of her bank cards were still home and her bank account, email, and Facebook hadn't been touched since she went missing. When law enforcement was asked about other items of Thelma's being located, you know, we heard about those headphones, Police said that other items had been located, but they couldn't go into specifics. At this point in the case, a lot of people were suffering from past tense-itis and had come down with husband-did-it fever. Every single thing Robert said about his wife was picked apart until words didn't even sound like words anymore. He had spoken about her in the past tense when doing an interview, and it lit the internet on flat-earth fire. It's almost as if because there were no answers, people just hyper-focused on Robert, even though there was no indication at all that he was involved. For all intents and purposes, he was just a husband who was in an excruciating amount of pain because his wife was missing, and now he was having to deal with this pot of boiling bullshit on top of it. Regardless of the court of public opinion, though, Robert and the rest of Thelma's family went full steam ahead, making sure that no one could forget that Thelma was missing. They put up Wear It Purple posters and asked that everyone wear purple on that specific day to bring more awareness to Thelma's case. A lot of people might wonder how that would help with anything, but remember that Thelma's searches and walks were attended by hundreds of people. If hundreds of people are walking around Winnipeg wearing purple on a Wednesday, someone is bound to ask why, which is a great conversation starter into Thelma being missing. There's that, and it gave people who felt ultimately helpless at this point something to contribute to the cause. The police had taken over searching, and her family and friends were left to wait for updates. Doing these walks and wear purple days gave them a way to reach out to the community and do something, anything to help. More events were held, one called Keep the Light On, and CBC News reports that purple ribbons were handed out for anyone who wanted to wear one, while the police, trying to think on their feet, sent dive teams into ponds in the area just in case. They were trying to do some proactive police work at a point where they'd honestly seemed to hit a wall. 
July came and went, and in the first week of August 2015, CBC Canada started reporting about several women who had been either walking or jogging when they came across some kind of wallet or envelope filled with thousands of dollars of cash. When the women would bend down and pick up the cash, a man on a bike would come out of freaking nowhere asking if they'd found something, then the dude would take the cash and be gone. No one had been hurt, but it seemed strange and possibly predatory as fuck. I mean, he hadn't attacked anyone, but what in the hell was this guy doing? And is this what happened to Thelma? Had she been attacked when picking up the bait? Nowadays, this sounds like some shit you'd see someone posting on TikTok to see if someone would take the money, but these women weren't given the chance to take the money before some random guy was there to ask for it back. People wondered if this nameless creeper was setting some kind of trap, and the police encouraged the women to file formal complaints. I reached out to a police officer to ask what if any of what this guy was doing was criminal, and he said technically nothing, but it's something they would definitely take a report on, especially if it had happened multiple times. Law enforcement did wind up tracking down the creepsicle and no charges were placed because ultimately nothing criminal had happened. But to this day, no one seems to know why he was doing it, and it wound up not being related to Thelma at all. Time ticked by with no answers and the rumor flag flapping away, so the family did an interview with the Winnipeg Free Press, and honestly, it was so fucking sad. They acknowledged the fact that they were aware of what was being said about them, and Robert in particular, and even a Facebook group that was fueling a lot of it. Her daughter shares that they were initially treated as persons of interest because that's how investigations go. The first people police look into are the people closest to the victim. And the family encouraged this because they wanted the police to leave no stone unturned. In the Winnipeg Free Press interview, Robert addressed his use of the past tense in talking about Thelma. He said that it wasn't any kind of attempt to hide anything. He didn't say much else during this interview, but the outlet did say that they could see him wiping away his tears. His stepdaughter stepped in and told the outlet, You take the most devastating thing that's ever happened in your life. You take the person who's closest to you away. You put yourself in a state of being sad, depressed, lost, confused, exhausted emotionally and physically, and then you throw a bunch of people in your face and some video cameras. Until you're in that position, it's hard to say the right words. Thelma's best friend and co-worker also spoke to the Winnipeg Free Press and told them, Everyone within their circle knows Bob wasn't involved nor anyone else who loved Thelma. I want to point out that Thelma's best friend just used the past tense in an article where they're talking about being scrutinized for doing it. And I'm pointing that out because it happens all the time. We only tend to notice it when we're analyzing the statements of people in situations like this. Thelma's friend isn't a suspect. Robert isn't a suspect. None of them have been named suspects. They're mourning the absence of someone they love, and I think we can all agree that they shouldn't have to worry about becoming suspects in the court of public opinion when all they're trying to do is plead with the public for help in finding their missing loved one. At the end of the interview, Thelma's daughter told the outlet that they haven't given up hope that Thelma is still out there, saying the whole scenario is straight out of a movie, but sometimes movies end with happy endings. If your heart just grew three sizes and shattered at the same time, you're not alone. She told the Winnipeg Free Press that every time the police search a new area, they just have to wait nervously and hear what they found, if anything, saying that they don't necessarily want the police to find anything, but that the not knowing is also really hard. 
I wish I could say that this interview helped tone down the aimless speculation against Thelma's family, but it didn't. The explanation of the past tense and the use of the past tense throughout the interview shot those already down the rabbit hole into a freaking tailspin. But regardless, yet again, the family kept their composure and focused on their only mission, finding Thelma. And on August 14th, the police made yet another attempt to locate more potential witnesses. A woman who might have been walking her dog and two people inside of a maroon or dark-colored SUV that was parked near Civic Park the morning Thelma went missing. It seems like whenever they do these releases, they do get in touch with some of the witnesses and it generates more tips, so while pretty vague, it's not for nothing. A few days later, the Transit Union came forward to try their own hand at increasing tips by doubling their initial reward from $5,000 to $10,000. It wound up doubling again when the whistle sales added an additional $5,000 and employees of the Transit Union and friends of the family added another $5,000, making the reward for information leading to Thelma's safe return $20,000. The reward had an expiration date, though. If no tips broke the case within a year of Thelma's disappearance, the money would be donated to Child Find Manitoba in Thelma's name. There was this newfound hope that maybe $20,000 was enough incentive for someone to really think back to that day and come forward with a piece of information that could lead them to Thelma, or that $20,000 would be enough for someone who might have been told what happened to finally come forward and give that information to police but that didn't happen. In September of 2015, the Thelma Kroll Missing Facebook page posted that they were holding a search. It had been a hot minute since there was a volunteer search, so it sounded like they were done with the waiting and were ready to do whatever it took to bring Thelma home. A small independent search team spoke to the Winnipeg Free Press and said that they hold weekly meetings and continue to search for Thelma on a regular basis saying that they've searched beyond the area that had previously been searched, including the wooded areas behind Thelma's neighborhood in the opposite direction of Civic Park. They told the outlet that they'd found a few things like shoes and a strap that they thought might have been from her fanny pack, but in the end, none of the items found belonged to Thelma. Towards the end of the summer, with hunting season coming up, the police asked that anyone out hunting in the woods outside of the city, be on the lookout for anything that might belong to Thelma. CBC Canada reports that the police felt like the loss of foliage might help, which seemed like an odd thing to say considering the foliage would now be on the ground, but whatever, it was smart to ask hunters to be on the lookout. They'd be a fresh pair of eyes in areas that hadn't been searched yet. They reminded the hunters to be on the lookout for a reddish-orange shirt, black capri pants, a black fanny pack, and Thelma's hiking boots. But hunting season, Thanksgiving, and Christmas all came and went with no signs of Thelma or any of her belongings. Her daughter told the Winnipeg Free Press that Christmas was her mom's favorite time of year, but this Christmas, it was hard to even listen to Christmas music or say Merry Christmas with her mom still missing. She told the outlet that the sayings her mom told her over and over as a child, like, everything happens for a reason and karma will prevail, have been shattered in six months. Global News did an interview with Thelma's boss who told the outlet that they'd had someone come in to do Thelma's work, but that they aren't ready to fill her position. Her boss walked the reporter through Thelma's office, which was still exactly the way she left it. 
She had an inspirational quote on a sticky note that read, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph, and her mouse pad was a picture of her daughter and her grandson. He told the outlet, I'd like to say that as time goes on, it gets easier, but it doesn't really. I wanted to talk about this article because this was the kind of person Thelma was. This is how widely she was loved. Her co-workers and her boss loved her so much that they wouldn't even touch her office, let alone replace her position. A few months passed with no updates on the investigation, so in March of 2016, CBC Canada reports that Thelma's friends, family, and even volunteers took to the streets with 2,000 missing persons posters and replaced every single one of them that had faded, fallen, or had been taken down over time. On the new posters, they included photos of what clothing items to be on the lookout for and a note not to touch the items if they were found, to just call the police. Another three months passed before something happened that caught the news of literally anyone with the ability to gasp. CBC Canada reports that on June 8th, 2016, a guy was out test driving this sea dude that he wanted to buy, a jet ski, when he noticed a boot floating in the river. When this guy went to pick up the boot, there was a leg attached to it. A leg. The guy said that the leg was pretty decomposed, but that the boot looked like it belonged to a woman. People wondered if this might be Thelma, but the results came back and it wasn't her. Thelma's friend told CBC Canada, For closure, you have that moment where you hope it is, and then very quickly you realize that would mean she's gone forever. On July 11, 2016, the one-year anniversary of Thelma's disappearance, the police held a press conference to give an update on where the investigation stands. In a shock to everyone, they said that the investigation uncovered signs of distress, which was news to everyone, because up until this point, all anyone knew was that her glasses had been found. Law enforcement said that they believed the distress was either due to a medical incident or an encounter and ultimate abduction by an unknown individual, saying that they believe it was random. It seemed pretty obvious that there are no medical events that result in vanishing into thin air, and Thelma clearly hadn't been in any hospitals for a year, so that left the public with only one reasonable explanation, that Thelma had been abducted. And it seemed like the police were leaning that way, too, with their inclusion of the fact that they believe this abduction would have been random, which rules out targeted. That being said, the fact that they did mention both made many question what evidence they found could contribute to both theories at the same time. The Global News mentioned that Thelma's glasses had shown signs of distress, but they'd also been on the ground for a few days before they were found. The most popular theory going around was that they had found blood. However, that theory has never been confirmed. On top of the distress bombshell that they dropped, the police also said that they had found Thelma's phone and they had found it near where they found her glasses. They had waited a whole ass year to tell anyone this. And I mean, that's their business. Keep things close to the vest. But holy shit, Thelma's glasses falling off is one thing. But her glasses and her phone being dropped and her being nowhere to be seen is another ball game. 
Whoever took her, if she was abducted, wasn't concerned about anyone finding her phone or seeing anything in it like text messages or phone calls, which does in fact make this seem random and fast. The police released another still photo of a potential witness from a year prior and a satellite image of an area of the park where they say a man and a woman might have been having a conversation that morning and hoped that the public could help identify them so they can be questioned like the others. They asked that anyone who even thinks they might know something to please come in, even if it's just a gut feeling about someone, which is a bold request. They're basically saying, if they're giving you the willies, give us a ring. That could be a lot of tips to follow up on, but they're trying to do everything they can. After the press conference, a vigil was held, and according to the Winnipeg Free Press, the family gave each other hardcover books that they had printed with photos and memories of Thelma's life. Another three months passed, but in October of 2016, shit got real. CBC Canada reported that the Winnipeg Police Department was investigating a report that Thelma might have been seen talking to a heavyset man in the area near where her glasses were found near the intersection of Kimberly Avenue West and Gateway Road on the morning she disappeared. They said he was about 5'8 and 270 pounds with a bowl-cut haircut. The new information had come in as a tip after the one-year anniversary press conference. The weird part about this tip, though, was that the person who reported it didn't remember whether Thelma and this guy who were talking were walking or driving. So they remember that she was talking to a heavyset man, his height and his haircut, but they couldn't remember whether or not 70% of his body was covered by a car door. Regardless of the side eye this tip was getting, the police asked that everyone who was in the area of Civic Park that morning to revisit the day in their brains and call in if they remember seeing this man. You might think that with this new development, updates on the case might start picking up, but the exact opposite happened. It was crickets. In June of 2017, just before the two-year anniversary of Thelma's disappearance, CBC Canada reported that human remains had been found in a shallow grave in a ditch between a main road and a farm about 15 miles away from the park. An elderly couple lived on the farm in a house that was pretty set back from the road, and they'd noticed the police presence but had no idea a body had been found until the police knocked on their door. Once again, everyone wondered if this could be Thelma, but it wasn't. It was the body of a woman who'd gone missing in 2016, and someone had already been charged with her murder. A month later, on July 11, 2017, on the two-year anniversary of Thelma's disappearance, the police held their regularly scheduled press conference on the status of her investigation. And this time, they finally said it. They said that they believe Thelma was a victim of foul play. And the world said, duh. They said that the tip about the heavyset man had become a significant part of the investigation, but they couldn't release too much information. Again, understandable, but that was really all they updated. However, just 16 days later, the Winnipeg Police Department tweeted that they were going to have an impromptu press conference relating to Thelma, and no one knew why. They'd only been holding press conferences on the anniversaries of her disappearance, and all of the sudden they were holding another one six days after the last. This time, they released a composite sketch of this heavyset man. The date on the sketch looks to have been from October 24th of 2016, so right around the time CBC Canada first reported on the tip about him. 
Police said that they've done everything they can to try and identify this guy, but now they need the public's help. But wait, there's more. According to the Winnipeg Sun, the witness who came forward about this heavyset man has only given bits and pieces over time. Now they're saying that this heavyset man might have had access to a house in the area of Kimberly Avenue and Gray Street, that he might have been living there or simply had access to it, maybe even for a night. This intersection was literally one of the first places searched, that green area. According to the Global News, police say that they don't think it's possible that Thelma and this guy walked a mile or a long distance, that there was a location close by. Okay, so hold on a second. This tip about the house on Kimberly and Gray is coming from the same person who couldn't tell police if Thelma and this guy were walking or in a vehicle. And all of a sudden, this guy might have had access to a house in a really specific area, but we don't know which house or who he is. The police now believe that Thelma was attacked at Civic Park, that she appeared in distress, and was forcibly taken to a house on Kimberly and Gray. When they asked if they thought Thelma might still be alive, they said that it didn't look good. In August of 2017, Global News reported that Thelma's husband Robert filed a petition with the court to have her legally declared dead. This stirred up a whole bunch of shit in the rabbit hole community, but there's a lot a family can't do when an estate is tied to a person who's missing. And Thelma wasn't just missing. She had been missing for more than two years, and there had been no proof of life along with everything else included in her investigation. So a month later, the court did declare Thelma dead. Another year passed, and in July of 2018, another press conference was held on the three-year anniversary of her disappearance, and this time they say that Thelma was seen in distress near a gas station on Kimberly and Gateway Road, which was one block northwest of the last location we heard about, and there is a Circle K at that intersection. The police say that more than 400 tips have come in and the investigation is still active, but they still haven't been able to identify the heavy set ban in the sketch. The press conference ended seemingly no closer to finding Thelma than they were last year or the year before that. But this time, it wouldn't take another year for a break in the case. On November 29, 2018, the police announced that they'd be holding another impromptu press conference on Thelma's investigation. That afternoon, they broke the news that one month prior, on October 27, 2018, Thelma's remains had been found by someone hunting in the woods. In an exclusive interview with Global News Canada, the hunter said that his son had shot a deer, and when he went to go look for it, he stumbled over a skull and screamed for his dad. The hunter said that they didn't know how long the skull had been there because there was nothing on it, that it was completely white. Thelma's skull is the only part of her body that the media has ever confirmed to be found. However, I have seen it mentioned that other evidence was found that indicated that this might have been Thelma before the DNA ever came back as positive. No cause or manner of death has ever been shared, but reading between the lines, CBC Canada reported on the police as saying that they believe she was killed by one person and that she didn't know that person. So I'd say it's pretty safe to assume that they believe the manor is homicide. 
Thelma's remains were found about 30 miles southeast of her home in the total opposite direction of Civic Park, and to say that it was a desolate area would be an understatement. Police now believe that whoever her killer is, they're familiar with the area. Police said that the tip about the heavyset man is still an important piece of information, but that they're considering other possibilities. The hunter told Global News Canada that where they found her remains is 300 feet from the road. For reference, that's about a football field. Taking a body that far in, say, a field would be a feat in and of itself. But the hunter told the outlet that they would have had to taken her across a water-filled ditch, over a collapsed fence, around heavy brush, and through a cleared opening to have been found where she was. Thelma's family had to grieve her loss all over again, not that they ever really stopped. And in January of 2019, Thelma was finally laid to rest, though her case remained unsolved. Once again, on July 11, 2019, on the four-year anniversary of her disappearance, the police held a press conference and this time said that they were looking for a gold-colored four-door sedan that might hold valuable information. According to CBC Canada, the police said that this person may have been in a position to have observed Thelma without realizing that they heard or saw something that was valuable. How this information came about or how someone in a gold car would have not known that a woman being attacked and abducted was valuable information remains unseen. Regardless, the police basically want anyone who had a gold-colored four-door sedan in the area of Civic Park in 2015 to contact them. Another entire year passed with nothing. And on the five-year anniversary of Thelma's disappearance, Robert offered up his own reward, $100,000 to anyone who gives up information that leads to the arrest, conviction, and imprisonment of the person responsible for Thelma's death in the next six months. Telling CBC Canada, I guess you can say I have no confidence in the police solving this. This year, 2021, marked six years since Thelma disappeared, and not a single person has ever been arrested. If you have any information about what happened to Thelma Kroll on July 11th of 2015, please contact the Winnipeg Homicide Unit at 204-986-6508. You can also call Crime Stoppers at 204-786-8477 or text tip 170 and message crimes. For photos pertaining to Thelma's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and meet me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we discuss her case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Mm -hmm.